Honestly, like this past year has been, it's not a struggle, but I mean, I've felt myself get into a rut of like, okay, I'm kind of thinking in the same patterns. I don't feel myself growing musically. Um, and so, especially because I play a lot of worship sets, like a lot. So I'm, I'm thinking, okay, I'm playing the same songs, but where, like, if I were to like go record a new song, like, what would my, <laughs> my creative idea would be what we already did? So anything that can stretch me, um, I think I, it's it's good for me to kind of get outside of my box. This is the Hillsong Creative Podcast, where we hear from creative experts and influencers, the dreamers and the doers, what they've learned and what we can learn from their journey as we explore, respond and create. On today's episode, we've got David Whitworth from Bethel Music. He's a musician and a drummer, and he talks about working with and collaborating with a variety of different artists. When it comes to collaboration, my perspective is that it's difficult. It's actually not easy to collaborate because often I just want people to do what I want them to do. I don't really mind what they think. I just want them to do my thing. But really collaboration is where the gold is. If we can get the best out of you and the best out of me and we can combine those, then we come up with something oftentimes that's much better than I could come up with on my own. So in today's interview with David Whitworth, He talks about collaboration and how he's gone about that when it comes to Bethel music. Because with Bethel, they have a bunch of different artists and David is working with all those different artists to produce goals, to produce the best outcome they can. But the artists all have different personalities, different approaches, different ideas. He's had to work out how to adapt his own way of working, way of thinking, in order to get the best out of them and in order to also bring the best out of himself. So there's something to be learnt from David's approach and I hope that we can all take something away when it comes to collaboration, something that we can apply to where we find ourselves when it comes to our creativity and working with a variety of personalities and creatives. So let's jump into the interview where Gabe Kelly, one of our creative pastors, is interviewing David. Um, David, it's really nice to have you in here. It's great to be here. In our fantastic podcast recording studio for Hillsong Creative Podcast, thank you for joining us. Yes, great to be here. Um, You are here for our Hillsong Worship and Creative Conference, which is really cool. I feel like you're a pretty semi-consistent visitor to Sydney now. You've probably been here every six or so months, for partly for your work. Can you tell us a little about what that is? Yeah, so um, I play drums um, for a church out in California called Bethel Church, and I travel with Bethel Music, which is the record label. And so we've been coming to Sydney for Hillsong Conference for the past, yeah, like few years, I think, three or four years. Um, Been coming, and we've played, I think, twice here. Um, but it's pretty amazing being here and seeing we've all, every time we've left like inspired and like wow we're doing things bad we should do things better <laughs> oh, come on man <laughs> but it's been it's been a lot of fun and honestly like making connections and just seeing how like fun you guys are has been like the it's been amazing like we I think that's why we keep coming back we're like there's just so fun like we have to like go out there and try to get them to us you know out in California but like 
it's been so fun just connecting and um, really just getting to see who you guys are off the stage has been like the best thing for us. So it's been fun. That's nice of you, but we're here to talk about you, not about us. Yeah. So let's kind of keep this on track. All right, um, you said you play for <laughs> Bethel Music, but like my understanding is there's a whole bunch, a whole stable of kind of artists within that. Do you play for each of them or do you only play for some of them or how does that work? Yeah, so when we do Bethel Music tours, I think there's 16 or so artists. Um, we bring out five or six artists per tour and so they'll just be one band and so we we have to play for all the we play for all the different artists so so their records have you played on a lot of them um yes not all of them but i have played on a handful of them so they right now they're um like with our artists they kind of get to choose a producer and they'll either go out to nashville and sometimes like it'll be nashville players or sometimes they do it in-house with our um writing people and they'll use musicians um, for that so it's kind of it, the process kind of varies per what the artist wants for each different for person each different, and what they want yeah, for, for that each project different project and um but for our big live albums it's all in-house like, right for the live stuff yeah that's a lot of songs to keep in your head do you manage <laughs> to keep it all memorized or do you have like a little sneaky like chart set up next to your kid or what yeah um for <laughs> you can be honest this is a safe I place don't, i don't i'm not good enough to chart real music like i can write if I need a like a, a quick reminder, I'll write a weird. I have this weird notation thing that I can do that only I can understand. Like if someone else read it, it would just be like weird. It's like a code. It's like a, a code, you know. So, but um, yeah. I for the most part, I know it all now. Unless it's new, then I'll have to just listen to it. But we've been playing the kind of the same songs for so long with all the artists that it's it kind of just it's just muscle memory now, you know. So, but we're with all the new songs, you know. It's we're finding. You know, we'll play it one way on the album and then we'll find, you know, like maybe like six months or a year later, like, oh, we should do this and change it and tweak it a little bit right. and it'll sound better. And so we've we kind of slowly have been tweaking songs as we go and it's become more fun and more interesting, I guess, as yeah, musicians interesting. To, to play them. So, yeah. Okay, so let's explore this quickly. Yeah. Um, you talk about how you record the song a certain way and then as the song you tour it or play it in church, it kind of takes on its own life and you'll change the parts or the arrangement or both. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think we, yes, yes to both of those. We can, like, we'll, we'll um, change the arrangement a little bit kind of to fit either the set we're doing or even a part, like, um, sometimes we'll, we're usually working with, so our front of house guy, he's also like one of our producers. His name is Chris Greeley and he's like, he's a mastermind, you know? So we're always bouncing ideas off of him. Like, hey, does this sound good? Does this sound bad? You know, so it's kind of, it's it's really cool to have that. Um, so we're always, we're always trying to like think of ways to make the song better, even if it's already out. And so we're always pushing and sometimes it's it's done, you know, but a lot of times like we can figure out, okay, what if we, you know, maybe held out an extra measure here or you know we maybe changed the kick pattern on verse two to kind of fit the vocal a little bit better so we're always trying to tweak a little bit it doesn't happen for every song obviously but i think we're always open and um willing to change it if we need be if if it needs to be and sometimes the worship leader like doesn't like what was on the album like if and one artist does another artist song like ah, oh, i kind of want to add it like or do it how i want to do it yeah then we're like we'll kind of accommodate that artist right so I love that mindset that you have that you're willing to kind of take what you've made and break it, reshape it to suit a different context, a different setting. I find a lot of people as slaves to the way it is on the record sure. and never willing to change it. Um, but let's 
let's make this interesting. So for you, you've written a part and then six months later or sometimes less, all of a sudden different worship there says, ah, I don't like that. I want to try something different. How do you go when it comes to someone saying they want to change what you wrote, whether it's a drum part or for other people listening, a, a lyric or a guitar line, it's the same process. But what's that like for you when someone goes, let's change what you did? Yeah. <laughs> I hate what you played. Can you please do something <laughs> Can you different? do something? Yeah. Can you play it again, but just not make it suck? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that hurts. No, I think, um, I think we, we try to preach to a, a lot of our musicians. Um, you know, we, we want to serve the worship leader and their vision for the set, you know, obviously. Um, and we have a, an overarching goal, you know, to lead people into worship and to encounter the Lord. And so, I think if a worship leader is really feeling passionate about <laughs> a kick pattern or a section of the song they really don't like, then I think it's our job to make it as awesome and make them feel as supported as possible. Um, I mean, there's there's a few times on our records, there's big instrumental sections that are so fun for us musicians to play, but the worship leader doesn't really connect with those. And so, like, hey, could we just maybe like... You know, instead of this instrumental, could we just do like play through the chorus one time and then bring it down? You know, something like that. So, and so all those people out there who have been playing verbatim your parts, <laughs> yeah. down to the fill, down to everything, they just need to chill out a bit because you're chill, chill out, out about it as well. No, I, I think for the most, I would say like we we stick. I would say ninety percent of the time we're we're sticking to what we originally did. But I think we we do keep an open mind and we're not like sticklers on if you don't play this part right, you failed. You know what I mean? It's more like you know play your best and yes play it but if you need to change it it's not the end of the world yeah completely so, yeah and it's fun too it kind of it kind of breaks up the monotony a little bit of um playing the same songs week in and week out obviously you don't want to get crazy and like just no we're not gonna do song. like a reggae version right exactly <laughs> so but yeah it, it is it keeps things interesting for sure yeah, yeah. right um and or you hit at something there that I kind of want to talk about for a few minutes as well, um, playing the same song, the monotony that can kind of come with that over and over and over. Uh, how do you kind of keep your joy when you're playing the same songs every night on tour or every week in church? How do you kind of keep yourself alive in that and not just let it become, like you said before, pure muscle memory? Yeah, um, for me, it's it's been a, um, obviously it's been a journey. I think for every musician that, that plays in church, it, it's a journey, you know, you deal with, a lot of emotion, you deal with a lot of like um, setbacks, you deal with a lot of like disappointment and things that come along with other musicians being in church and um, like even even when it comes down to playing the same songs, you're just like, oh, this is like, this can get so boring and I'm just like, I'm exhausted and I think um, it's important to have a, a heart check and so for me, I always like am asking myself, what, what, why am I doing this? What's the purpose of this? Um, is it leading people into worship? And if so, like people are actually watching you on stage. So if you have a frowny face or you're just like, you seem disengaged, people notice that, you know? And it's not, you don't have to be a musician to notice it either. Like there can just be someone in the audience that's just trying to worship. And if you, you're having a bad attitude, I, I feel like people can see that, you know? And, hundred and, percent. And so people, uh, they're just looking for, and it's not, to me, it's not, you don't have to fake anything, but I think it's good to, to have a, a heart posture of, yes, this may be the, you know, a thousandth time I played the song, but it could be someone's first time hearing it and they could have an encounter with the Lord and they can get saved, you know? So always keeping that mindset. And actually for me, singing, actually, when I, singing songs while I'm playing actually helps me engage my heart more. Right. So I think that's a little trick, a practical trip, um, trick to just 
help you get through sets. Maybe it's like, oh, this is another set with the same songs again. Okay, like I'm setting my heart to engage. I'm going to sing these songs and let's do this, you know? And yeah. so having that type of attitude moving forward is, is for me at least, is kind of the way I uh, approach that. Yeah. Speaking of approach, I love that's just so encouraging for me hearing that you will like you've taught yourself to sing while you play so you can yeah. engage with that stuff. Like I love that you're not just kind of aware that it's something that could go down, but you actually have built things into your life and your process to make sure you keep your heart right. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. It's been a great interview. If you're listening, you probably consider yourself a creative. And even if you don't, we've got a conference just for you. It's called the Hillsong Worship and Creative Conference, and it happens every year here in Sydney, Australia. For more information, go to our website, hillsong.com forward slash WCC. My name is David Whitworth. I'm from Bethel Music, and these are my Fantastic Four. The last good book I read was a book called God is Good by Bill Johnson. Um, what album? I'm listening to a lot of the Japanese house right now. Um, I just been going, I just been obsessed with them lately. Not a certain album that I like, but I've been really into that right now. One thing I am, wish I was better at this time next year, a year from now, um, I wish I could dunk, so I'm going to say I'm going to work on my uh, vertical game, my vert game. My favorite place to recharge, to relax, would just be at home with my wife, just relaxing, listening to records, playing games, that sort of deal. Um, creatively, let's talk about what it can be like as a player, uh, whether you're in the studio or in church when it comes to, say, writing parts. Uh, do you have a, a process that you follow for that? Is it a collaboration with the songwriter? What's it like when you're starting to build a song on the kit? Yeah, for in our world, it's usually we're working really close with the producer, and so they usually have some sort of vision for the song. And when that happens, it's usually like, hey, we want to kind of go for this type of vibe for the song. Like, and so for me, it's usually starting really simple and working around the melody is kind of the first thing I want to do, like supporting the melody and then kind of filling in gaps. And then from that going into, okay, how can we make this a little more interesting and not so meat and potatoes mm -hmm. per se? And, and sometimes, you know, it's a lot of back and forth. Like we'll sit in the studio and we'll like we'll trial and error it, you know, like, okay, let's test it out. And if it's awesome, that feels great. If it doesn't, let's change it, you know? And so it's a lot of trial and error and sometimes even layering parts, even if one drummer can play it, we'll kind of layer, like start with very simple meat and potatoes beat and then go over and layer something on it and be like, oh, that's, that can be cool. Let's try that. And just, right. So just kind of working with the producer and just trial and error in parts. And, and it, it's a lot of it is, um, it can be a collab too with other people, you know, throwing out ideas, hey, what if you try this or what if you try that? So if we're all in the studio together, we're kind of like always bouncing ideas off and just really trying to work together and support the song. You know, and sometimes like your your cool drum part that you think is awesome won't make it. Because <laughs> right. like, you know, it's not it's not really what the song needs. So you just got to be okay with that and just move on. <laughs> mm -hmm. But that happens quite a bit. Yeah, and like you said, which is interesting to me, you don't always use the first thing you put down. Mm -mm. You'll trial a bunch of different things yeah. until you find something that you settle on. Yeah. Um, rough number, how many like different ideas do you have before you really land on it? Or is it different for every song? 
it's definitely different for every song. Um, but it's, I mean, it'll go from anywhere from like five to ten different like directions, kick patterns to like whether we use ghost notes or no ghost notes or whether we add tambourine in this section or, you know, but we're always, I think for a drummer, it's cool to have AB parts. So, you know, like you'll have a, t- a two part groove. I don't know if this is going to make sense to people, probably, but like a two-part yeah, I love it. Everybody's um, a closet drummer. So. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, I love it. Yeah. Tell me more. But two-part group, you know, something that's like, a, it can be a pattern that's repeated um, that kind of fits the song. So I think that's kind of just where we start. And But it usually changes quite a bit. Yeah, right. And yeah. so we're talking about multiple grooves mm-hmm. that you will try multiple different variations and you're recording probably dozens of songs a year, you would need a lot of creative input for that level of output, I would imagine. So tell me a little bit about um, some of the stuff that you're listening to, some of the stuff that you're liking. Where do you kind of draw? What fills your creative well? Yeah, so for my creative world, it's honestly like this past year has been, it's not a struggle, but I mean, I've felt myself get into a rut of like, okay, I'm kind of thinking in the same patterns. I don't feel myself growing musically. Um, and so, especially because I play a lot of worship sets, like a lot. So I'm, I'm thinking, okay, I'm playing the same songs, but where, like, if I were to like go record a new song, like, what would my, <laughs> my creative idea would be? What we already did. And so I'm like, what I need to. So I've been listening to just a lot of different weird music that I normally wouldn't play in church. Right. So anything that can stretch me. Um, a lot of Afrobeat stuff, honestly, like kind of weird 70s music I've been listening to. Um, it's really, really cool. A lot of ghost notes. It's kind of like uh, da- very Darren King style. Like he, um, yep. so he, but a lot of ghost notes and a lot of cool, like sporadic patterns. I think I, it's it's good for me to kind of get outside of my box and typical like 4-4, four, four, you know, snares on two and four, like to get out of that mindset, yeah. even if that's what I'm going to be recording or yeah. playing, like kind of stretching myself in that area. So listening to, um, I, I referenced the Japanese house earlier, but that's not typical 2-4. There's a lot of electronic drums and mm-hmm. a lot of like layered with real drums. And mm-hmm. so I, I don't know. I think just stretch, I've been like just listening to a lot of different music that's kind of helped me get out of quote unquote worship mindset. Yeah, for absolutely. So I have an interesting quote from a producer that I talked to years back that I still like hold on to to this day. He said, um, listen to music that doesn't have your instrument in it because when it's got your instrument, you can hear the part. It's right there. That's what the drum's playing. Uh, but if you listen to music without drums in it, you're actually forced to think yeah. about what it might be. That's really um, cool. And it sounds like you're probably in the middle of that similar process. Do you have yeah. any thoughts on that? I love that. I, I think, yeah, to me, it's I, I want to almost... Like I, I was telling someone the other day, it's like I want to. I, I I read my Bible a lot, a lot. I say a lot. I'm saying that for the podcast people. Yeah. To pe- make yeah, to make sure to they know. think I'm really holy. Yeah. But we do. I, I try to I try to read a lot or more this past year and and listen to not as much worship music due to the fact that I kind of want to get out of the. I love worship music. I think that was my problem. It was like I I'm so drawn to it and so connected to it. I just wanted to take a little break and kind of just stretch my musical creativity outlet. And so um, I love that quote. That's really, really cool. I never really thought of it that way because I'm always thinking like, oh, if I if I hear something cool, I'll just draw from that. But if there's nothing there to hear, you kind of have to like really stretch. But I love that. And I, I, I love worship music. I, I tried to not listen to it as much, but I'm still like... 
You can't get enough. I can't, can't get stay, enough. Can't stay away. It draws you back in. It draws me back in. <laughs> You've been playing for a long time, hey? You've been playing drums since you were how old? I've been playing since I was six years old. Man, how old are you now? I'm 32. Jeez, man. It's a lot of time behind the kit. It is a lot of time behind the kit. And what do you think? How do you think that your music and your approach to music has changed you as a person? How has you as a musician shaped Dave the the man, the Dave husband? Dave the man? Dave the husband? Um, it's a great outlet for me, um, like every musician would say. But it's, I think it's, it's actually helped my walk with the Lord. I think I've found moments where I actually get to connect with Him in a way I couldn't if I'm, you know, just reading my Bible or just, it, I don't know. I find connection with it, and I find connection with God through playing drums. And um, I think so that shaped me to, I don't know, to, I think, I really don't know. That's a big question, Gabe. That's too big for this yeah, podcast. Yeah, man, I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have just dumped that one on you. But I, That's tough. But I like what you're saying. <laughs> I like how it, you feel like the word has kind of shaped so much of who you are. And yeah. like your planning has evolved with that and grown with that. Mm-hmm. Um, probably last question from me before we wrap up this part of our podcast and move on. Um, you're obviously expectant for this trip to Sydney. It's great to have you here. But something that you would really love to kind of hear from God uh, while you're here in Sydney this time around, something you want to go home with that leaves you different? Yeah. I, this is a cool conference for many reasons, um, but a big one is I actually just to get to participate in it. I actually get to be in worship. I get to sit under teaching. And so I, I'm expectant just to hear from God. I, I haven't been to a conference, and I've been to a lot of church services, but not been to like an intentional conference where – I haven't had to play, so I think I'm expecting to hear. I don't know. There's a few things I'd like to hear from God about. I think maybe, Lord, when do I? When should I have babies? You know, my, big questions. Big questions. Big questions. Like, we need your wife Lord. in here for this. You can't answer this by yourself. <laughs> no, I think I don't know. I think anything, honestly. Like to me, the moment that I I feel His presence. And this sounds super spiritual, but the moment I actually get to feel God's presence is the moment like. I'm like, I'm just reminded all the promises that like he's fulfilled, everything that he's been faithful in my life. It just all reminds me of everything that he's walked me through in my life. Like when I feel his tangible presence, it's a quick reminder of like, oh my gosh, like he's done so much in my life. He's, he's, you know, I've been so blessed and I've been given so much and it's just like a thankfulness thing. So I'm really just expecting just to experience the presence of God and yeah, just, I don't know. Just be here and just enjoy it, you know? So, Great, man. Yeah. Well, Dave Whitworth, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, you are the absolute man. Um, <laughs> love you and love what you do and appreciate you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, I hope you've enjoyed that interview with David Whitworth. If you're a musician out there, he's a great person to follow. He's a great inspiration. And you can follow him on Instagram at David Whitworth. And if you're not an in- a musician like me, or if you just want to listen to some great music, you can check out BethelMusic.com. They're great friends of ours and they produce great worship music. So check it out and enjoy. Next up, we've got Food for Thought with Jad Gillies. Jad is one of our key worship leaders here in Sydney, Australia, and he travels the world with Hillsong United and Hillsong Worship. He's passionate about people encountering God, and I think you'll really enjoy hearing from him now with Food for Thought. Mm. 
One question that I get asked sometimes is, um, is how do I be an authentic worship leader? You know, what's the key to authentic worship? I would say if you love Jesus and if you love the people that you're leading, you're going to make sure those two collide. It doesn't get any more authentic than that because your job as a worship leader is to connect those people with the, with the one that created them. Thanks for joining us on this episode. I really hope you enjoyed it and that you got something from it. If you did, you can subscribe on iTunes or you can find us on YouTube. And I hope you can join us next time.